Mariah has heard James's horror story one too many times to play this daily challenge, TJ. Plus, Horacio searches for his voice while Emmanuel certainly has found his. A first date proves to be a horrible omen for Callum and another nomination, another person digging their own grave. Yet, thankfully for us Corey fans, he gets saved by the chaos that is Devin Walker. It's the challenge. Battle for a new champion. Episode 7 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in The Challenge Universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me on this Wednesday night to cover another episode of the glorious B-Fank Battle for a New Champion I am still loving this season. I was a big fan of this episode, even if it saw uh, not the demise, but certainly um, uh, some negative feelings and some negative experiences for two of my absolute favorites. We will, of course, get into that and everything that the episode had to offer here in just one moment. Quick program reminders before we begin. First and foremost, a big apology to all of the Survivor fans out there that have been tuning in for the Survivor Historian. I appreciate you tuning in to those episodes with myself and Tony, and I am sorry that we were not able to give you an episode or recap of last week's episode. That was on me, completely and utterly my fault. Tony was an absolute champion, willing to record any and every day possible. I, between holiday travel, a little bit of illness, a lot of bit of work, and just a whole bunch of factors, was not able to find the time to be able to do that. So, we do apologize. We missed one week. Our goal going in was, can we, can we hit every week? Can we try to get, you know, 10 out of 12? So we're, this is the only one we're going to miss. I promise you that we're going to, we're going to make it happen from here on out. And for this week, for the episode that just aired tonight over this weekend, when we record, we will do like a one and a half episode. Our episodes are already long enough, but we'll try to keep it in the same time frame, but cover one or two key elements from last week really quick at the beginning of it before diving in and going through this week's episode. So the Survivor Historian Pods with Tony will be back this weekend with coverage of the last two episodes, mostly this most recent one, but a little the one we missed as well. That will be out. Thank you to those who have been listening. And then next week, B-Fank rolls on each and every Wednesday night. We'll be here to cover this season. Before we get into this actual episode, one quick note right up top. I just got to say a big, big thank you to you, the listener. Today, uh, if you haven't, maybe maybe right now, if you just got it onto Spotify for the first time, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're not, you know, I, I get it. O over half of you actually listen on Apple, which makes some of the numbers we see from Spotify wrapped even more uh, impactful and astounding and really, really makes me really feel good because the Spotify wrapped came out today and the, you know, as a podcaster, you get to see your numbers again, you know, the, just the Spotify numbers of everything, but you get to see who's all listening, how much they're listening, who, you know, you get to see a lot of stats behind the scenes. Um, and I don't look at those necessarily that much other than I do watch the wrapped and it was really fun getting to watch it today. So a huge shout out to all of you. There is a good amount of you that are brand new this year, a lot more of you this year than there was at this time last year. So thanks to all those who've been the OGs that have been with me from the start. But, uh, you know, a lot of you that have just joined on this year, thanks for sticking around. Once you joined, it, it does seem like a lot of you are coming back after you find it for the first time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
to all of you for tuning in to listen to me ramble about this dumb but amazing reality television show that we all love so dearly. And a special shout out to, you know, to the hundreds of you that listen enough for me to be in your top five podcast. I don't know if you're not listening to a lot of podcasts or if you just really like this one, but thank you for that. And for the 20 of you that are crazy enough that this is your number one podcast, because there's 20 of you out there on Spotify that this was your most listened to podcast, please, I, you're clearly listening right now. Please DM me, Challenge Historian on Instagram, leave a comment on YouTube, find a way to get in touch um, and let me know. I would love to know who who you are if you are one of those 20. Uh, any of you listening, I want to chat with you, know who you are, learn more about you, why you love this show. As always, DMs are open, but especially those 20 of you, um, it's I'm just floored by the fact that there's a single person, let alone 20 of you, that this would be your top podcast. And I'm also fascinated to know, do you listen to other podcasts or, you know, I didn't, I put out a lot, a lot of episodes, but not, not enough. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, I clearly don't know how to just say thank you and shut up. So I will leave it at that and we will get to the recap agenda for the evening. Same as always. Let's dive in, walk through the episode. Here we go. B-Fank episode seven and we're off. We start where the episode starts. We're back at the house and really from the opening house segment, a little longer than the last few episodes. We don't go immediately to the daily like we have been, um, but there's really only one major thing to talk about and that's Horacio. He, we get a scene early with Horacio and Berna having a little heart to heart, a little chat about how, you know, the politics of the game, the social spots of the game, how that could weigh on people, how that's weighing on Horacio, how he kind of doesn't, you know, as I say in the cold open, you know, he's searching for his voice. That is kind of a theme of this episode is Horacio searching for his voice, trying to stand up and give his opinions and play the game more than just be the competitor that when TJ blows the horn can do really amazing, but actually play the political and social game that he's kind of a little bit hesitant to do. First and foremost, I'm shocked by the fact that this was Berna as the person with Horacio, and we'll talk later about the fact that then it's Zara later with him. She's not the last person, Berna, that is, that I would have expected if you told me Horacio was having a one-on-one -on -one combo about you know his difficulties with you know playing the cutthroat nature of this game. She's not maybe the last person in the house I would expect that conversation to be with, but she's not really near the top. Like, Do his friends and alliance members just not talk to him at all? Is he not comfortable with it that with them talking about this stuff because you know they're in an alliance with them or is it and this is what i think it is that berna is someone who loves to talk and loves to get to know people and loves to have real actual communication and she kind of doesn't have that many friends in the house to do that with so she's maybe the only one who just ever went to him and was like hey What's up with you? What's what's going through your head? You want need someone to chat with? Like, is she the only one that offered? Because she does seem like someone who would do that. But is no one else doing that? It, it, it was I was straight. It was struck me, but I was I was interested in the conversation for sure. I definitely think I'm. I never disliked Berna, uh, but I'm coming around on liking Berna and. I stand by what I've said before. This is just a really tricky situation for her. Some of the drama and the kind of over the topness and, you know, the kind of always finding her way into a little bit of an argument um, is 
this is a tricky situation for her uh, with language and the culture barriers a little bit more, you know, of the international folks, everything I've said before, I just think it kind of plays out with her mix of personality a little bit more than it does for some of the others, but uh, she's entertaining in both seasons. And now she's like the one, like the new, this, this guy's kind of being put forward as the face of the challenge. And yet no one in the house wants to just like get to know him a little bit, ask him what's going on. And she does. So shout out to Berna for that. Callum and Emmanuel, we get a scene with them talking in, about just this topic of like Horacio, you know, doesn't have his voice, doesn't want to say anything. Um, I forget if it's them or or later in the episode that someone alludes to, I think Callum at some point, maybe here, maybe later alludes to, you know, he's kind of just Narisa's puppet and like Olivia's puppet and just says what everyone else wants him to say. So the house is aware of this situation, at least the folks not in his alliance are aware of it. And now Berna, who is technically part of his alliance, is also aware Final thing on Horacio, just kiss Narisa already. I don't know where else we're going to get it in this episode, but thank goodness I know that these two are together after the show. Otherwise, I'd just be sweating bullets the whole time of like, is Horacio going to blow this? Like, come on, dude. Is this not going to happen? Is this not going to work out for them? So um, shout out to those two. Still, you know, one of my predictions for this week was wrong. They did not kiss. It was even said multiple times while showing them, you know, on the couches and beds and different things like they still haven't. Um, So yeah, that prediction was wrong, but You'll get there hopefully next episode. I believe in you. Then for the daily challenge, first things first with the daily challenge, let them pick their teams for fuck's sake. Just let them pick the teams, okay? If we're going to do six teams of three and one team of four, whatever it was, let them pick the teams. I don't know between random or letting them pick the teams. I don't know which one's more or less fair. I know that neither one is perfectly egalitarian fair across the board. So if that's the way it's going to be, then like pick the one that might have an element of unfairness, but comes with the fun and the drama of picking the teams, maybe having one person left out, not picked, not able to compete. That would have been interesting. Um, So, you know, if we could just have a fully straightforward format beginning to end, things could be as close to fair as possible in a challenge house. We don't have a straightforward format. We never will. If they're going to keep changing it up like this, everyone, I'm I'm okay with it. I would just, I would lean towards letting them pick the teams. I think that would add some drama while not making anything more or less fair than it already is. The game they play though, it is pretty cool. I really like it. It's a good design. I appreciate during the edit that we actually kind of get an idea of how each team does. Like they show us the time for each team. I'm always a little dubious of those times. I will admit that, but they kind of make it clear who did well, where everyone more or less placed. Like if I rewatched it, I'm sure I could figure out the exact order these teams finished in. Um, So I appreciate that because we don't always get that. They, you know, for drama purposes, they like to leave it up. They, they try to make it a little dramatic at that last group, but we kind of know which team won as we're watching it. Mariah, Definitely worth uh, commenting on from the daily challenge. Just doesn't do it. Won't do it. Gets up there and thank goodness she's on the team of four. Maybe she let it be known to a producer before. Maybe I don't, I don't know. They probably they talked to him a lot before the season. Maybe they thought through put if there's a team of four, we put the people who are the most scared of heights in that team so that if someone doesn't do it, maybe it all evens out, which is exactly what happens. I don't know. Um, just a man to be the caller, first and foremost. Like you don't have to swing across but can you climb around the side of this? Cause eventually you're going to have to jump off. So that part's baked in no matter where you go, but uh, you could shimmy to the other side and call from still kind of standing on the bottom and holding yourself up. 
thought she could have at least done that. She totally gets away with it, uh, which is interesting. And I mean, she does have a fantastic excuse. Let's be honest. A $13,000 nose job. You don't want to mess that up. And I do find it hilarious that, you know, she references, hey, the guy I'm, you know, cuddling up in bed with every night, he kind of messed his face up pretty damn good the one times he's been on the challenge. So I'm not trying to do that if I don't have to. I'm on this team of four, the whole thing. But uh, yeah, she gets away with it, which is interesting. Um, and that shows strong alliances. Then Horacio, Kylan, Big T, they win. Kylan gets his way with the Manuel vote. Um, Kylan is either fully gone Team UK and just hasn't said it out loud, or he is so out of the loop. And I think that's the second here. I think he still feels like a little playing both sides because I've at least got Melissa to protect me over here. But he, I think feels, I don't, I don't know. I'd be interested to know how he feels in this moment. I think he feels like he's on the U S side and he just is so actually out of the loop that he doesn't realize Emmanuel is a high ranking member on the U S Alliance at this point, which we can pretty much stop saying U S and UK the UK are the folks that are on the outs, but um, you know, we see in this one, like Emmanuel is much higher than most of the U S folks in the eyes of this is just Jay Michelle, their Alliance more or less. And then there's kind of the season 38 girls and they're all working together, but eventually they're probably going to have to pick a side between them. And yeah, he just doesn't, he, he doesn't have a read. I think is the thing he doesn't realize as we learn later in the episode, we've kind of always known I've commented on, he's kind of always in the room for those conversations, but later in the episode, we see Jay and Michelle, you know, hugging him, kissing him on the cheek being, you know, clearly he is as tight with them as basically anyone else in their large, large conglomerate of an alliance that they've got going at this point. Yes. Kylan wants to nominate a good player. But it always it also just seems like he thinks it's the best alliance move for him. And so that that backfires. As for Horacio, just say James. This is where like it's not that the result would have been different, but if he has confidence, his personal result would be different. He wouldn't end up apologizing to Emmanuel later. And you know, that not totally going over. It goes over okay. We'll talk about it in a second, but you know, not not the best look. If he has his confidence in that moment, he can say, Kylan. I get that's what you want to do. And Big T, I'm assuming that you would side with Kyland over me who wants to throw in James because Horacio said just say James's name. Callum and James are the two obvious ones for him to say. You can be like, okay, Callum, you're lucky that you're you know sleeping with Michelle. I'll respect that. I'll go for James. He's already been in there, the whole thing. All he's got to do is just say, if you two want Emmanuel and I want James, that's fine. You can put him in. When we get up there and TJ asks one of us to speak, we're going to say we can't come to a decision and you're going to make TJ make us vote. Can you give, can you do me that? We're going to go with your plan. It's two to one vote, but can you make us actually say names out loud on the stage so that I can confirm to my alliance and to Emmanuel that I wasn't, you know, a vote of this. Now, is that something like a super duper veteran cutthroat player would do, would think through in advance? And is that something I would have been able to think through in the moment? Probably not, but you know, I'm giving you my reactions to this. Not, uh, I do give you some predictions, some really ill-fated predictions at the end, but you know, these are reactions for a reason. So he should have done that, made it a little more clear that he was not in favor in the moment of the decision. Then when the, in the end, TJ appropriately is, you know, told or decides himself, Horacio, you're going to be the one to speak here. And he's the one that has to actually say Emmanuel's name out loud. So he needs, uh, he needed to find his voice in this moment. Maybe this is the moment that spurs it. It's certainly the rest of the episode. We see him kind of maybe be spurred on to a new action, a new, a new way of being in the house in the future. We'll see if that comes to fruition.
Then we're back at the house slash the club. We get to go to the club every episode. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for taking us to the club every episode. Even if uh, this one was a little lackluster compared to the others, certainly, but I still appreciate being there. I still appreciate everyone getting dressed up, go out, have a little bit of fun. Zara is now the one talking to Horacio about how he's feeling. Where the hell are his friends? Like for real though? And why also, why are the international folks just so much like kinder? <laughs> it's just like coming across the way. Like none of his friends in this big U.S. alliance thing have any interest in asking him how he's doing or talking through these the situation or these feelings with them. But like people who are in the other alliance uh, are just like, hey, like you look like you could just use a friend to talk to, uh, you know, just proving to be very kind, uh, all these folks. So shout out to Zara, shout out to Berna. Um, but also, as I kind of referenced a moment ago, I, I appreciate that Horacio, the nice guy, the good human is, you know, the good human in me that I I like to think is in me appreciates that he goes and apologizes to Emmanuel and, you know, explains the situation. You can explain the situation. You can't apologize and, and kind of grovel a little bit in that moment. You did say his name. You didn't, you might not have been the one that wanted to, but you were the one that had to actually say it out loud. And it just, it, this might be the, the, you know, the, the, too too competitive of a person in me talking here and i may be completely wrong about this but i just think you're standing in the house as such that people you know think like he can't make a decision he's you know wishy-washy he wants to kind of stay in the background and just play the games but not like play he wants to play the physical tj blows the horn games he doesn't want to play the political game at all and this confirms that to all of them the idea of like you wrestle over this decision, you say a name. And then immediately that evening, the moment you get a chance, you pull them to the side. You're like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. It just, you know, you, you got to live with your decisions a little more. You can pull them aside and say, Hey, it was a two to one vote. And you know, it is what I, I know. I was the one that ended up saying it out loud, but it was a two to one vote. That's how it went down. And you know, we, I couldn't, I couldn't argue out of it. And now people are going to think we're opposed. If you want to make a little deal, that's fine. Like you can approach it in a different manner. Um, but I just think all of the fears and everyone, maybe in his alliance, maybe they're just not paying attention. I don't know. But uh, anyone in the house thinking like he doesn't, he can't like stand on his word. He doesn't have a strong enough opinion. Uh, this kind of validates that a little bit to them. Then we get back at the house, Michelle and Callum. Michelle makes Callum a date. And it kind of makes me sick to my stomach watching it. I just can't. I just can't watch it. It's it's great TV. If it's making me squirm, <laughs> that's great TV. That's good reality television. What can I say? But I was hating every second of it, knowing what we know, uh, that he is cheating on someone back home in this moment. And, you know, they obviously are not together after the show. And uh, she has been sharing her feelings um, loud and clear throughout uh, the season as the episodes have aired. And uh, so I feel bad that she went to all this effort and they had such a great little, little date and it's wonderful. And yeah, I just, uh, good TV, hated watching it. Speaking of good TV that I hated watching. <laughs> so Corey knows it's him going into nominations. He uh, confirmed on Twitter during the episode that Michelle had went to him right before just to like, let him know. I, you know, basically, I think you already know this, but like, it's you, like we're all saying you, um, even me, I'm going to have to say you. So he knew a hundred percent going into that nomination. Like not only had he sniffed it out from the conversations we saw where no one's willing to say a name where Emmanuel's laughing in the background when Corey's not looking of like, we don't want to talk to you about this. It's you. Um, but then he had 
real, real confirmation that his alliance was not going to back him up in that moment. His performance is a mess. It's a mess. Let's be real. It's a mess just because he's one of my favorites doesn't mean that we can't call a mess a mess because that's what it was. The trend this season of, you know, talking yourself into a deeper hole when you're trying to climb out of a hole continues. This is now the third or fourth instance of this. Uh, I would say not as bad as the first couple that we saw um, much more dramatic and interesting <laughs> than the ones we've seen before. Certainly uh, cut a little deeper on the people that got were on the opposition of his words than any of the ones we've seen before. I understand the strategy, but it's a bold enough strategy of being like, I gotta, I gotta show my Alliance. I'm committed here. How can I do that? I can absolutely cut the throats of two people who I'm genuinely friends with in this house now, but have been as far as the game goes using, I get the strategy. It does show, you know, it's what you've got to show how in a line in alignment you are with your Alliance, but it's bold enough that he probably didn't have time given the little bit of context. We now know that Michelle, you know, said they, again, their Twitter exchange was that she told him right before. So like when they're walking out there, I don't know. It's a bold enough strategy that you've got to check with at least one or two people. And in this case, Jay and Michelle, you got to check with them and see if doing this is actually going to sway them, get them to speak up on your behalf, have an idea that there's a chance this could work because who knows, but from the edit that we see, this had zero chance of working. And so if it has zero chance of working, you obviously should not do it um, because, yeah, well, you know, it's only going to hurt you. It's not going to benefit you. So if you're able to maybe talk to someone ahead of time, be like, Michelle or Jay, like, this is what I'm willing to do to, to get you to believe me, to get you to trust in me again. If I do this, and it it's going to look bad if I do it, but if I do, will you then speak up and be like, maybe we should throw out another name. Will you, will you give me a shot at this working then, then who knows? And then, you know, I could probably support the idea, the strategy a little bit more, but uh, the idea that there, it didn't seem like there was any chance this was going to change any minds. Now you're just kind of hurting and pissing off two people and also revealing some of your info. And, you know, it just, it all backfires. It all backfires in a big way. I will say, however, though, if I can offer any bit of defense, Every time they pan to Corey when he's not talking, when he's you know having to listen to the uh, Melissa or Big T or someone else say something back, it seemed like someone who genuinely looked like they were unhappy with what they were doing in that moment. It looked like someone who was very upset at themselves as much as the rest of the situation. And it kind of had the feeling to me of like someone who's like, I'm being targeted right now. And I'm uncomfortable enough that the only the only thing I can think to do right now to make me feel better, 1% better for one single second is I'm just going to lash out at someone, something. And I know it's going to make things worse, but we don't make good decisions when we're being targeted, when we feel uncomfortable, when we're you know pissed off at everyone in, at the world. In this instance, their whole world is this house. So at the world at this point. And so I got that. And I just, I saw a lot of emotion on his face when they would pan to him when he wasn't talking. It did not look like someone who was totally enjoy, certainly wasn't enjoying and was probably not happy with himself that this was the strategy he chose. I don't know. I still really like Corey, obviously, I'm, you know, trying to find ways to defend him here. 
I think this only adds to my argument that he is fantastic for this show because this was some interesting TV, again, similar to the Michelle and Callum thing. I didn't enjoy watching it because it was one of my favorites, not, you know, not having a great moment, but uh, it was still really, really good TV. And uh, so that, you know, that that boosts my argument that Corey is fantastic for this show. But in the end, I would have to say that he he probably did. He probably did deserve Melissa's very slow, very calm delivery of you are an absolute bitch. I really enjoyed that confessional from her. Just the, the cool, calm, collected delivery of a line like that, uh, you know, was definitely deserved in the moment. A messy, a messy nomination. And Corey is a unanimous vote and he's headed into the arena. At said arena, we get the next champion in. I was incorrect about the order. I've been incorrect on all of my predictions basically at this point. So, uh, you know, what are you what are you going to do? I was in a way right because if you just be going saying whatever I say, go with the opposite, that's going to be right. You should know that by this point. So uh, we knew it wasn't going to be Darrell because that's what I thought it was going to be. It's going to be Devin, of course. Devin's the best. Okay. I love Devin. If you've, you know, been a long time, those of you who are the OG listeners of this program, you know, I'm a big Devin fan. Uh, I think he has risen to be one of the best cast members. The show has maybe the best cast member. He's just really great at being on the TV show, the challenge. He's really good at playing him, playing himself, but the character of himself more or less, and uh, knows what he brings to the table, knows what his strengths are, not just in the game, but on television and he leans into him and he is one that was actually, I think this format of the, you know, the, the, the champ being there basically for 30 minutes of the 90 minute episode and for one elimination, he's fantastic at it. And for like, Hey, we're going to sit you down. We, we need you to bang out five, six awesome confessionals here. Got it. Got it in the bag. Going to go five, five, seven for seven, whatever you give me going to be great at it. He's just, he's just really, really good. He's a pros pro at this point. Did they tell him which one to pick? I don't know. Those those are the types of production shenanigans I could I could believe uh, much more than the you know the rigging stuff. But this this season and the setup of it is definitely putting some of that to the test. That's for sure. Um, but I, I feel like I don't know. I guess the odds would say one of the three people that has got to pull so far would have pulled it. So that makes sense. But it, you know I don't think they were going to actually leave it up to chance that it would never be pulled or it would be pulled. You know the fifth time in. So. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Who knows? But he pulls the chaos uh, stick out, and chaos is pretty cool. It is what more or less what we thought. We, you know, had wondered aloud before of does it mean they just get to pick between the two, or does it mean they get to pick between everyone? Because we were pretty certain it meant they got to pick somehow, some way, and it's between everyone, which is great. Is it unfair? Totally sure. Whatever. We're we're just way past the point of fairness with these formats. It is what it is. It still seemed fun. So whatever. He picks Callum. And look, Michelle, you've got to speak up a little bit louder. Maybe she did. Maybe we didn't see it. I don't know. It's a half-hearted. Don't pick him. Mariah's like, don't pick him. Big T and Mariah are the only two that uh, Mariah's was pretty half-hearted in that, uh, that say like, pick Corey. And well, Corey himself does at some point say, yeah, just pick me, uh, which is when, you know, Devin being Devin, he's not going to pick the person they say, unless one of the people he knew and was friendly with actually really spoke up and said, Devin, Hey, you're, you got it. We're buds. You're got to help me. This is who you should pick all of these people that, you know, and like, and would work with in the future or in the past, this is who we want. Pick that person. He would have maybe done that, but he's here to make good TV. He, you know, 
makes a bold random choice of a guy he doesn't know. It's still safe for him to make. And it ends up being interesting television because of the Michelle Callum relationship. And it saves Emmanuel and Corey, who I think are both been really good characters on this season and cast members. I didn't want to see either one of them go. Not that I wanted to necessarily see Callum go either. Although I am happy to be done with uh, him and Michelle thing and not have to watch any more date nights between the two of them. The game they end up playing, it's pretty fair game as far as something to go against Devin in. Um, It's just counting. It's not math or a puzzle. It's just counting basically and then putting numbers in order. And so it does come down to yes, counting accurately and staying poised under pressure, which Devin has the edge there, but it's also moving heavy things around a whole bunch. So, um, you know, edge Callum and just, it's, you know, also Devin made a mistake five seconds in. You've got to beat him basically is what I'm saying here. You've got to beat him if you're Callum. So now that's two in a row. Now they gave Jordan one very set up for Jordan. They gave Kaz and Devin ones that are, you know, total toss-ups. Anyone could win. It feels like, there's going to be a little back and forth with that, but it feels like we're definitely headed towards Carmory and CT. You're going to get whatever game you want. You can, you can absolutely pick on the way into the arena if you so choose, but uh, it has been interesting to watch who they kind of really set up and who they don't. They did not give Devin something super physical, which would have obviously been hilarious, but they didn't do that, nor should they have. So I appreciate that they picked a, a mostly fair setup here for the second week in a row. I'm glad Devin wins. Because again, I love Devin and for his credibility and for the confessionals and everything else. I was I was glad he won. I hate seeing this money pool get any lower. It's ridiculous. TJ should just come out and be like, new twist, doubled the money. Just, you know, I did that. That was me. I don't know. Offer up your own money, TJ, whatever. Um, I just hate that they're not, that how little money they're playing for at this point. But title of challenge champion means more, I guess, except for the, the ones that this money is still life-changing to, um, as it would be. So Callum's a good character to the show. I'd be okay with him coming back in the future, even though he did treat my favorite Michelle in, uh, you know, not the greatest way here in the end by not being truthful with her. But he is a good character for the show. I've enjoyed him on both of the seasons now that he's been on. So would be happy to have him back. But glad Devin gets the win. Champs two, competitors one. To the awards we go, starting with best quote. There was a bunch of nominees this week. Way to go, everyone. Way to go, team. We got back on the horse as far as the quotes go in chronological order. First and foremost, big T quote, Mariah, this isn't a sunbathing competition. Come on, girl, do something. Loved that from her. Emmanuel, first of two nominees for him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I gathered you all here for a nice round of butthole kissing. I love that he goes butthole kissing twice in this episode instead of ass kissing. Just fantastic. Melissa, quote, you are an absolute bitch. Again, delivered very calm and coldly. And then Emmanuel for the second time, just bring the champ because I've got work to do. Not the most crazy quote is just in here to help remind me. Look, Emmanuel's really confident. <laughs> He definitely has his voice, unlike Horacio. Like, Emmanuel knows what he wants. He's going to say what he wants. He's He is doing the – he learned in his one season from the others around him, the pros around him of, like, we are making a TV show. Like, you kind of got to play up certain things. And he definitely, you know, between the turning around on Jordan, threatening, the, you know, wanting to go against Jordan – the whole thing, he's been very confident the whole time. He continues in this, uh, and I like it. I'm actually, Emmanuel was one, you know, him and Emmy were kind of the two standout rookies of Spies, Lies, and Allies, and I wasn't as interested in them as maybe the general challenge fan base was. 
And this season, I feel like it's now flipped. I feel like maybe the general challenge fan base isn't that in on Emmanuel. And I'm kind of like, I'm loving having him on the show. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those areas where I disagree with the majority. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about how the majority feels. Let me know what your feelings are. But I did. I do enjoy the confidence and I've, I've enjoyed everything he's been bringing. And then finally, Devin, of course, finds his way in the best quote because he's one of the great confessional kings of our time looking like a bunch of L7 weenies up there to me. Loved that from him. I will give butthole kissing the winner here. Emmanuel's first quote of the week win. Best moment. Um, first one, Olivia is the only person who takes a bad fall. How do you, how do you fall badly off this? You gotta, you gotta have a little more composure. You gotta know how to, when you get to jump off yourself, you got a pencil right on in. Come on, girl. You got, but you know, uh, gives us one entertaining fall, I guess. Although I'm, I'm not the type that's entertained by the horrible falls I could do without them. So, uh, pencil next time, Olivia, please. And thanks. The challenge logo over the champagne bottle is my second nominee for a moment of the week because I thought that was hilarious that they have to, you know, cover up the logos. And so it's just a bunch of challenge stickers all over that champagne bottle. I don't know why I found that so funny, but I just chuckled to myself when I saw that third nominee, obviously Corey's messy nominations performance, thrilling television, hated every second of it as a fan of him, but Good television. And then Devin, the moment he picks Callum, also definitely a standout moment from the episode. We'll give the award to Corey. Uh, he deserves to win something for that performance, that nominations. And then as, as far as the MVP, Devin gets an honorable mention. As I stated back when Jordan, the first champ, came in, you cannot be considered for the MVP of the episode if you are the champ, but... You can, if you do your job and you are entertaining, you get an honorable mention shout out. So Devin gets that. Horacio, Emmanuel, Michelle, Callum, Corey with the MVP win. Finally, we have our power rankings and our always wrong predictions, which is probably what I need to start calling this segment. As for the power rankings, we'll go men first here. Slight shakeup on the men's side. First and foremost, I've got my guy, Ed, Going to the top. He goes from two to one. I don't, Horacio has to fall one spot here just for the time being. He's still probably the favorite to win, but you know, just, you know, we need to find that confidence before you're going to become a champion of the challenge. I think he's on his way. He'll figure it out, but there's got to be some consequence. And if the consequence is falling one spot to number two in this historian's power rankings for possibly only one week, so be it. Consequences are had. Ed's one, Horacio's two, Jay's three, Emmanuel's four, Corey's five, Asaf six, Kylan seven, James drops all the way to eight. First and foremost, he's got like no allies left in the house. Second, we're getting, we're not near the final, but we're at least like halfway or whatever. And so I'm going to start to weigh a little bit more heavily. Could you win a final? And we know James, the running isn't a strong suit. And so I just feel like, you know, he drops from five all the way down to the bottom of the list. So Ed at the top, James at the bottom. As for the women, Nerese stays number one. Um, we get our first mention here with the, you know, Horacio puppet comment that people maybe are realizing how amazing of a position Nerese is in, but we also get how amazing a position she is in commented on when Jay is hearing the people talk about this and, you know, in confessional, like they don't realize that me and Nerese are super duper tight and go way back. And uh, I'm going to be passing this info along to her. So, she seems like she still has the best relationships in the house above even Michelle at this point, I would say. So she's number one. Zara's number two. 
Michelle three, Raven four, Olivia five, Colleen six, Berna seven, Melissa eight, Big T ninth, Mariah free falls from second to 10th. I'm sorry, you you got to jump off the thing. I don't love seeing someone not able to you know do the heights. There's not a lot of heights involved in a final, but just the the willingness to kind of throw in the towel so easily didn't love that. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. Again, consequences. There's got to be consequences, right? So she goes to the bottom, uh, but Big T and Melissa probably should be at the bottom because I just don't. And don't see their fortunes turning around. They they weren't able to rally any numbers this episode. God bless them for trying. They lose another one that could have been on their side. And they just keep getting picked off one by one by one. And that leads us to the predictions, which are that Big T and Melissa will be back in to the elimination ring again next episode. I don't want it to happen. I hope I'm wrong yet again. I hope I hope I continue being wrong on all of these. That would be wonderful uh, because I love Big T and Melissa and I want to see them stay around. But I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I you know they're going to have to win. It feels like this is going to be an individual one. Maybe next time around, uh, they're going to have to pull off a win. So that's not prediction number one. By the way, one for three last week. I said Emmanuel would take center stage. Was he center stage? No, but there was three or four of them on the center stage and he was one of those three or four. So I'm giving myself that one. I missed. I said, it would be a pair of champs, double limb. Not true. I said, Horacio would kiss Nariz. Not true. Also next week, it looks like one champion Casey probably is coming into the game. Is this going to be a 20 episode season? Like what's going to, are they really going to do 10 episodes worth of one champion coming in at a time? That just, it's going to be a long season. We're going into 2024 folks. That's uh, we're going long into 2024 here at this point. So uh, yeah, one for three last week also officially got, you know, my first one wrong as far as the order of the champions, Devin, who I thought would come in third of the men Darrell, I thought would be second. We'll see if he is at least third other two, not uh, nominees, other two predictions, chaining people up and running around leads to bad things as we kind of see in the trailer. And, Third and final one. I'm going to get this one right. I'm going to get this one so right. We're doubling down. It was wrong last week. It'll be right this week. Horacio and Doris will kiss. It's going to happen. It's got to happen, right? They're dating in real life now. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. So big team Melissa back in. That's the real main prediction. I hope I'm wrong yet again. And with that, that is all for BFank episode seven. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for being here. Like I said at the top, in the middle, in every single episode, at Challenge Historian on Instagram, DMs are open. I never post any content almost ever, but I do check the DMs and I do respond and chat with you in the DMs. So hit me up, especially those 20 of you, or if I'm in your top five, top 10, anything, if I'm a part of your Spotify wrapped in any way, screenshot, send me a DM. Would love to see it. Would love to tell you thank you. Not I was about to say in person, you know, over the technologically, digitally say thank you to you individually and digitally say thank you to you. So appreciate you. Love you. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, peace.